Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Hi, friends. Are you looking for a new podcast? Maybe something you can share with your littles? Something that has some storytelling in it? Well, then look no further. We have Storytime with Philip and Mommy, where my son and I sit and discuss all the great books that you might love while we read them. So Little Golden Books, Berenstain Bears, and even the new classics like Bluey. We sit down, we read, we discuss, and we have so much fun doing it. Come and join us. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, reader. Welcome back to Reading Bug Adventures, written, performed, and produced by all of us at The Reading Bug, our family-owned independent bookstore. This week, it's a bonus full-story episode of our Mars adventure. If you love our podcast and want to help us out, Please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell at least two of your friends about our podcast and our store. Please consider continuing to support us by shopping with us. At The Reading Bug, our mission is to educate, entertain, and engage children across the globe. And you can help us by purchasing a book subscription for every young reader you know at readingbugbox.com. Unlike other subscription boxes, our Reading Bug Box is handpicked to match each child's age, interests, and reading level. And as interests and abilities change, our selections will grow with you. Or you can shop our store at thereadingbug.com where we have millions of books available for purchase for children and grown-ups. You can find our latest recommendations or purchase books from your favorite podcast episodes. Check us out! A great big hello and thank you to our newest patrons, Aubrey from San Carlos, Charlotte and Isabel from Colorado, and Cal and Eve from San Carlos. You're part of what makes Reading Bug Adventures podcast possible. To become a patron and support our work, please visit patreon.com slash readingbugadventures. Thanks also to Resonate Recordings, who does the sound mixing and mastery for our podcast, and to all of our sponsors. And don't forget to keep that mail coming. We love to see your drawings and your ideas, and you can share them with us by mailing them right to our bookstore at 785 Laurel Street in San Carlos, California, 94070. Okay, reader, are you ready for an exciting adventure with me in the reading bug? What are we waiting for? Let's fly. It's time for a reading bug adventure. It's a reading bug adventure, there's lots of fun in store. Just inside our book bag, there's new places to explore. Grab your crayons and paper, and your imaginations too. The reading bug and I can't wait to share our trip with you. Hi, reader. Welcome. I'm so excited for another adventure together. I can hardly wait. Are you as excited as I am? I'm so, so glad you're here. But, uh, have you seen the reading bug anywhere? We can't go on an adventure without her and her magic book bag. Lauren, reader, I'm here, I'm here. I'm sorry I'm late. I just wanted to make sure my special guest was coming. Special guest? (gasps) Is it the spelling bee or the bookworm? Great guesses, Lauren, but I'm afraid not. The Reading Bug's special guest today is me, your friendly neighborhood astronaut. Alara Page! Hi! (laughs) Reader, you remember Alara, don't you? She's the astronaut who joined us on our adventure to the moon. 
And you adventured inside my body with my brother Hugo on your inner space adventure. Alara, are we going back to the moon today? Don't answer that, Alara. Lauren, you know that every time we adventure together, you have to guess where we'll be going. Alara and I can't just tell you. What fun would that be? But if you need a clue... I do! Well then, I can assure you that we are not going to the moon today. Although it would be fun to visit Lumi and her friends someday. And we are not going on another inner space adventure either. But our adventure will certainly be out of this world and over the moon. Out of this world and over the moon? So it is an outer space adventure then, isn't it, Bug? Maybe. Does over the moon mean we're going somewhere deeper in space? Beyond the moon? Maybe. Oh, you're no help, Bug. I can't possibly guess where we're going unless you give me another hint. Reading Bug, can you tell us the titles of some of the books in your book bag? Maybe that will help us guess. I thought you'd never ask. Let me see. Some of the books I brought with me in my book bag today are Sadiq and the Desert Star by Simon Nuralu, Skippy John Jones Lost in Space by Judy Schachner, DK Eyewitness Space Exploration, and Secret Agent Jack Stallworth, The Deadly Race to Space by Elizabeth Singer Hunt. Any guesses? Well, all of those books sound like they're about outer space, just like I thought. But I still have no idea where the book bag will be taking us, because outer space is very, very big. You're right about that, Lauren. Our sun is part of the Milky Way galaxy, which contains about 200 billion stars. And scientists believe that there are tens of billions of galaxies in the universe. Billion? With a B? Well, that's even bigger than I imagined. Bug, how can we possibly guess where we'll be going today if there is such an enormous number of stars and planets and galaxies in outer space? Could you maybe give us another hint? Sure, Lauren. Here's another one. We are planning on staying inside our solar system on our adventure today. Does that help? Yes, it sure does. Reader, our solar system consists of the planets, moons, asteroids, meteors, and comets that revolve around our sun. And if we aren't going back to our moon, I bet we're going to visit one of the planets in our solar system. Is that right, Bug? Yes, yes, yes. You got it, Lauren. But can you guess which planet we'll be visiting? Which planet? Hmm. Well, including Earth, our solar system has eight planets. Right, Alara? That's right. Scientists used to think that there were nine planets in our solar system because they used to consider Pluto, which was the smallest and furthest from the sun, a planet. But as telescopes and other technologies improved, astronomers could see that there were a lot of other small bodies beyond Pluto that also revolved around the sun. They decided that these small bodies, including Pluto, were not planets, and now they call them Plutoids, or Kuiper Belt objects. So yes, there are eight planets in our solar system. Reader, do you know all the planets in our solar system? There's Earth, of course. That's where we live. What are the others? There are two planets closer to the Sun than Earth is. The closest planet is Mercury, then there's Venus, and then the Earth. That's three. And after Earth is Mars. The first four planets, Mercury, Venus, Earth, and Mars, are called the inner planets because they are the closest to the Sun. The inner planets in our solar system are all rocky, and now that Pluto is no longer considered a planet, they are the four smallest planets in the solar system. 
The inner planets are separated from the outer planets by an asteroid belt. What is an asteroid belt? Well, an asteroid belt isn't like the belts that we wear around our waists. But just like a belt circles our waist, the asteroids circle around the sun. Like plutoids, asteroids are rocky bodies that travel around the sun, but they are smaller than plutoids, and there are thousands of them in the asteroid belt. Okay, so we've named four planets so far. The inner planets, Mercury, Venus, Earth, and Mars. Just four more to go. Right, the four outer planets. Can you name them? I can, I can. The next planet after Mars is Jupiter. That's the largest planet in our solar system. And then there's Saturn the planet that has rings around it. And after that is Uranus and... Neptune. That's right. I can't believe I forgot Neptune. Good job. Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune are all larger than the inner planets. They are made up mostly of gas, which means that we wouldn't be able to walk around on any of them because they are not solid like Earth and the other inner planets. Oh, you can't walk around on the outer planets? Hmm. If we can't walk around then we probably aren't going to visit them on our adventure today, right? So, that means we must be headed to one of the rocky inner planets, Mercury, Venus, or Mars. But which one could it be? Well, I read that the planet we're going to visit is the one that scientists believe is the most likely to have the conditions required to support life. Red? Is that a clue, reading bug? Maybe. Well, I only know of one planet that is red, and that's Mars. The red planet. Is that where we're going to be adventuring today? Yes, yes, yes. You got it, Lauren. We're going to be visiting Mars today, and I couldn't be more excited. I think I might be even more excited than you, Reading Bug. A trip to Mars. Who could have imagined? Since space exploration began about 60 years ago, when Russian cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin circled the Earth, more than 500 people have traveled into space, and 24 people have landed on the moon. But no human being has ever landed on Mars, or any other planet for that matter. You mean, we're going to be the first? Yes! My employer, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, or NASA, has announced that it is aiming to send humans to Mars sometime in the next 10 to 20 years. But by then, I'll be too old to be a part of the mission. So, when the reading bug told me that she was planning a Mars adventure, I jumped on the opportunity to come along. You all will be the first human beings on Mars, and I'll be the first non-human Earth creature to visit Mars. I read in DK Eyewitness Space Exploration that a chimpanzee named Ham was chosen for space travel way back in 1961 because chimps are so similar to humans. Since then, dogs, rats, monkeys, flies, fish, ants, frogs, honeybees, sea urchins, and more than 2,000 jellyfish have also been space travelers. Even ladybugs have traveled into space. I read that in 1999, Four ladybugs, along with our favorite food, aphids, were sent into space on one of NASA's space shuttle missions. Think of it. Today, I'll become the fifth ladybug to travel into space and the very first insect from Earth to land on Mars. And the only reading bug. Well, it looks like we're all ready to go on a Marsvelous adventure together. Marsvelous? <laughs> but before we go, we'll want to make sure that our bodies are stretched out and ready for the adventure that awaits us. So, why don't we all stretch out together? Go ahead and stand up, unless you're buckled into your car seat, or tucked into your bed, of course, and wiggle your fingers and toes. 
Are you wiggling? I sure am. Great. Stretch your arms way up over your head. Perfect. Stretch up high, touch the sky, crouch down low and wiggle your toes. Swing your arms from side to side. Let's get ready to go. Stretch up high, touch the sky, crouch down low and wiggle your toes. Swing your arms from side to side. Now we're ready to go. Thanks, Lauren. I feel much, much better. Don't you? I do feel better. And now that I'm all stretched out, I'm ready to go. Reader, did you remember to bring some crayons and paper with you? On our adventures, we can be illustrators and draw pictures of the amazing things we see and do. Pictures are how we'll retell our adventure once we've returned. I'm pretty sure there won't be any crayons or colored pens on Mars. So if you didn't bring some with you, you should go get them. Don't worry, you can pause our adventure and get them now. The reading bug and I will wait right here for you. Okay, everyone, there's one more thing to do before we go. We need to put on the spacesuits that I brought. Astronauts wear a kind of spacesuit called an extravehicular mobility unit when we leave the safety of the spaceship to adventure into outer space. Extravehicular means outside of the spacecraft, and mobility means that the astronaut can move around in the spacesuit. Because your magic book bag, and our imaginations, will allow us to travel all the way to Mars in the blink of an eye, we should get dressed in our spacesuits now, before we jump into the book bag. Reading Bug, on our moon adventure, your magic book bag turned into a rocket that we flew to the moon. Are we going to travel by rocket again today? Oh no, not this time, Lauren. Mars is the closest planet to Earth, but it is still more than 550 times further away than the moon. The moon is about 230,000 miles from Earth, but Mars is more than 35 million miles away. 35 million miles? In Mastronaut Goes to Mars, astronaut Mark Kelly says that it may take two years or more for a rocket to take astronauts to Mars. But we've only got one day to get there and back, so we'll be traveling by magic book bag today. My magic book bag is the only way we can get to Mars and back in less than a day. That's right, Reading Bug. Now, let's put on our spacesuits so we can get on our way. These spacesuits are like tiny personal spaceships. They are very complicated machines with air conditioning, heating, air to breathe, and water to drink. They even have a built-in toilet. <laughs> I guess there aren't a lot of places to stop for a bathroom break on a 35-million-mile trip to Mars. Let's all put on our spacesuits together. First, we need to slip into the liquid cooling and ventilation garment that astronauts wear underneath our spacesuits. This tight-fitting suit covers our entire body except for our head, hands, and feet. Water flows through more than 300 feet of tubing that is woven into the garment to maintain the right temperature for the astronaut. Putting on the liquid cooling and ventilation garment is a little like putting on a wetsuit. It's difficult to get into, and a little chilly, too. That chill is going to feel really good when you have the rest of the heavy spacesuit on. Now, let's stand up and put on the lower torso assembly, which covers our legs and feet. Since we will be walking around, the lower torso assembly includes boots that are made to allow us to walk on rocky surfaces like Mars. Reader, try stomping your feet. 
These boots are made for stomping and tromping. They feel like a pair of very good hiking boots. Now we need to lower the hard upper torso over our arms and head. We then connect the lower torso assembly and the upper torso assembly at the waist. Uh, Alara, is there something wrong with one of my sleeves? It looks like there's a patch on it. Don't worry, Lauren. There's nothing wrong with your sleeve. Each American astronaut wears a mission patch on one of his or her sleeves. The mission patch usually has a picture related to the mission or the spacecraft that the astronaut flew on. I've left our patches blank so that each of us can decorate our mission patch with a picture of our favorite part of our adventure today. That's a great idea, Laura. I can't wait to draw a picture for my patch. What do you think we should draw for our patches, reader? Finally, let's slip our backpacks over our shoulders. The backpack is called the primary life support system because it contains oxygen for us to breathe, and it also removes carbon dioxide that we exhale. The backpack also provides electricity for the spacesuit. A fan moves through the spacesuit and support systems, and a water tank holds the cooling water that flows through our undergarment to keep us cool. Now we're all set for our walk on Mars, except for the helmet, and we'll put that on after we land. Reading Bug, you can hop into Lauren's helmet before she puts it on so that you can join us on our walk. Okay, now that we've put on our spacesuits, we're ready to go. Reading Bug, do you want to get us started? I sure do, Lauren. Let's get my book bag opened up and get on our way. Magic Book Bag, please take us on a trip today to a planet 35 million miles away. Over the moon and out towards the stars, take us away on an adventure to Mars. Look, reader, it's working. The Reading Bug's magic book bag is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, big enough to fit us all inside. No matter how many times I see the magic in Reading Bug's book bag, it never gets old. The real sun is so bright that we can't look directly at it. But the picture of the sun in the book bag, it's huge, round and a brilliant yellow color. Look, I also see a picture of our moon. I can tell it's a full moon because it's also big and round, but it's orange instead of yellow. The moon looks orange like that when it is low in the sky right after sunset because we are looking at it through a greater thickness of the Earth's atmosphere than when it is up high in the sky. Oh, look over there, reader. I see pictures of lots of people dressed from neck to toe in silver, white, and orange spacesuits, boots and gloves, and wearing big white helmets with clear visors so they can see. Some of the spacesuits have an American flag patch on one of the sleeves, and others have patches from other countries like Mexico, Japan, South Africa, Russia, and China. That's right. All of those countries have also sent people into space. There are also pictures of rocket ships zooming through the book bag and some crazy-looking vehicles, too. Some of the vehicles are as small as a radio flyer wagon, and others are as large as a big truck. They all have either four or six giant tires and all sorts of unusual objects attached to them. Some of these objects look like cameras, and others look like antennae, mechanical arms, and even backhoes. And everywhere, for as far as I can see, there are stars. There must be thousands, maybe even millions of stars floating around inside the book bag. 
Those are pictures from all the books about Mars and our solar system that I brought with me. And look at all the wonderful words floating around between the pictures. Asteroid, comet, galaxy, orbiter, lander, rover, soul, plutoid, phobos, dimos, and psychokinetic. Oh yeah, this is going to be another awesome adventure. I'm so excited. Are you ready for our Mars Bullets adventure to Mars? Great, then what are we waiting for? On the count of three, let's jump together into my book bag and get this adventure started. Ready? One, two, three, let's fly. Let's jump inside our book bag. What will we find there? Imaginations run away. What's in our book bag, our trusty book bag? What will we learn about today? Whoa! Hold on tight! Reader, we're going straight up into the air, through the clouds and into space. When I look down, I can see the blue oceans, brown continents, and the white clouds dotting the sky. But the Earth keeps getting smaller and smaller as we fly higher and higher into space. If I look back toward Earth now, all that's visible is a blue globe, circled by white clouds. And as we move further away, the globe is getting smaller and smaller. This is a fast ride, Bug. Look, just like that, the Earth is so small that it looks like a pale blue dot in the sky. Yep, but if you look in front of us, you can see that Mars, the red planet, is getting bigger and bigger. You're right. When we left Earth, Mars just looked like a very bright star. But as we get closer, it started to look more like a red dot. And now it looks like a giant red ball in the sky. As we continue to get closer, I can even see the surface of Mars. It's rocky, with canyons, volcanoes, and craters. The ground is brown, with patches of gold and tan, and everything is covered in a reddish haze. Look out below! This book bag is coming in for a landing! We're headed right for the middle of the planet! Hold on tight, everyone! I think we're about to land! Oh! Reader. Reading bug. Alara. I think the book bag has done its magic. The sounds have stopped, and all the lights and images have stopped spinning around us. We've landed on Mars. I can't believe we're actually here. Let's go. Everyone, quickly put on your helmets and climb out of the book bag. Follow me. Reading bug, hop into my helmet before I put it on. You got it. Wow, look at this place. It's incredible. The surface of Mars looks just like I imagined it would. It's a dry, barren wasteland with scattered rocks, hills, and valleys. I think we landed on Olympus Mons, a volcanic mountain that is located in the Tharsis Montes region near the Martian equator. Uh, sure. Olympus Mons is the highest mountain on Mars, Lauren. Oh. Okay, well that's easier to understand. <laughs> but I thought you said that it was a volcanic mountain. Volcanoes are cone-shaped, but this mountain is flat on top. You're right, Lauren. Many volcanoes are shaped like an upside-down ice cream cone. Those volcanoes are called composite volcanoes. They are formed when lava from the volcano spews out of a central vent at the top. But Olympus Mons is a shield volcano, just like the volcanoes that make up the Hawaiian Islands. Instead of spewing molten lava from a central vent at the top, 
The lava from a shield volcano slowly pours out in all directions, building a broad, gentle slope shaped like a warrior's shield. I read that Olympus Mons is over 13.6 miles high, and it's two and a half times taller than Mount Everest, which is the tallest mountain on Earth. That makes Olympus Mons the tallest mountain in our entire solar system. It's also 374 miles wide, which makes it about as large as the entire state of Arizona. Wow, that's crazy! You're telling me that we're standing on the tallest mountain in the entire solar system right now? It doesn't even feel like we're on a mountain because we aren't close enough to the edge to see how high up we are. Oh, hey, Alara, look! The ground here is covered with a thick layer of red dust, just like a snowstorm on Earth covers everything with a layer of white snow. I guess that's why Mars looks red from the sky. But where does all this red dust come from? I read in the magic school bus lost in the solar system that the dust comes from rusty iron in the soil. Is that why the sky looks pink too? Yes. During the day, the sky looks red or pink because of all the red dust in the air. But I bet you can't guess what color the sunsets are. What color do you think the sunsets are, reader? On Earth, the most beautiful sunsets are red. Remember the saying, red skies at night, sailors delight? Red skies in the morning, sailors take warning. Since the Martian sky is already red, I bet the sunsets here are also red. That's a good guess, Lauren, but sunsets on Mars aren't red. They are actually blue. Well, why on Earth, or I guess I should say, why on Mars are the sunsets here blue? The answer is a little technical, but let me try to explain. On Earth, blue light from the sun is scattered by the air molecules and spreads around the dense atmosphere of the Earth. That's what makes our sky look blue. Now, unlike Earth, the atmosphere on Mars is very thin. It's less than 1% as dense as the Earth's. All the red dust in Mars' thin air makes this sky look red, except at sunset when the blue light from the sun passes through the greatest depth of atmosphere and dust. That's why on Mars we can only see a blue halo around the sun at sunset, the time when the sun's light passes through the greatest depth of air and dust. Okay, I think I understand what you just said, Alara. The blue light from the sun can only be seen here when the sun is low in the sky, which is when the sun's light is passing through the densest part of the air closest to the ground. Is that right? Yes, great job, Lauren. That's a good, simple way to think about it. And what about the gravity here on Mars, Alara? When we jumped on the moon, we were able to float through the air before landing because the gravity there was less than that of Earth. Well, Lauren, why don't you give it a try? Okay. Reader, let's try to jump like we did on the moon. Ready? One, two, three, jump! Whee! <laughs> this is fun! Just like on the moon, I can jump higher and farther than I can on Earth. Whee! <laughs> Are you jumping too, Reader? I feel like an Olympic high jumper or long jumper. I'm as light as a feather. Just like on the moon, you are much lighter on Mars than you are on Earth. Mars is much larger than the moon, but it's only half the size of our planet Earth. And because Mars is half the size of Earth, its gravity is only about 40% of the Earth's gravity. That means that someone who weighs 100 pounds on Earth only weighs 40 pounds on Mars making it much easier to jump and leap. You feel light as a feather because you weigh so much less here on Mars. 
One small step for reading bugs, one giant leap for reading bug kind. Whee! Lauren, reader, Alara, remember that you are the very first humans to land on Mars. And there's lots here to see that no one has ever seen before. We should get started on our Mars walk because we can only stay here as long as the oxygen in your backpacks last. You're right, Bug. There are still lots of places on Mars that no one has ever seen before. The United States has sent unmanned orbiters, landers, and rovers to Mars, but they have only covered a tiny part of the planet, and they've never gotten close to where we are here on Olympus Mons because the high elevation and the dense red dust on Olympus Mons makes landing here impossible. I read in DK Stars and Planet Workbook that an orbiter is a spacecraft that is designed to go into orbit around a moon or a planet and is not intended to land on the planet or moon in orbit. In 1971, NASA launched Mariner 9, which was its first successful Mars orbiter. If an orbiter is a spacecraft that orbits a moon or planet, is a lander a spacecraft that lands on a moon or planet? Exactly! The purpose of a lander is to land on a moon or planet to collect samples, take pictures, and conduct experiments. The Viking 1 and 2 landers that NASA launched in 1976 landed on Mars and performed the very first successful experiments on its surface. Then what is a rover? Good question! Landers don't have wheels, so they can't move around. But a rover has wheels so that it can move around and survey a large area of a planet or moon. Mars is the only planet where humans have been able to send rovers. NASA's Mars Pathfinder, which launched in 1997, was the first rover to operate on Mars. That same year, NASA sent four more rovers to Mars, including the Sojourner rover. Sojourner was only the size of a microwave oven, but it roamed over a part of Mars named Aris Vallis. Right. Over time, Martian rovers have become more sophisticated. A rover named Curiosity landed on Mars in 2012, and it is still investigating the floor of the Gale Crater, a 96-mile-wide impact crater, or hole, that was formed more than 3.5 billion years ago. It was probably created when an asteroid or meteor crashed into Mars. And in 2021, NASA landed another rover, Perseverance. As of 2021, there had been 18 spacecraft missions operating on Mars, and eight of them were still active, including four active U.S. missions. Why have we sent so many missions to Mars? What is NASA looking for? The main purpose of the missions has been to look for signs of life that exist on Mars now, or that may have existed here in the past. You mean aliens? Not exactly, Lauren. I read in DK Stars and Planet Workbook that in 2006, the Phoenix Lander found deposits of frozen water. This was a very important discovery because life as we know it could not exist on Mars unless there was water. I've been looking all around us while we've been leapwalking, and Mars looks like a big, empty desert to me. I haven't seen even one drop of water. Just lots and lots and lots of red dust everywhere. I don't think there's any living things on this barren planet. You may be right about that, Lauren. Other than the discovery of frozen water, the missions to Mars haven't found anything else here except for rocks and dust and more rocks and dust. NASA has also determined from the information collected on its missions that Mars has a very thin atmosphere made of carbon dioxide, nitrogen, and argon, and that the atmosphere contains less than 1% oxygen. 
Since almost all living creatures, plant and animal, need lots of oxygen to live, most scientists have concluded that even if there was life on Mars at some time in the past, there is no life here now. Maybe this Mars adventure wasn't such a great idea then. No matter how much we look, we probably aren't going to see anything here that we haven't seen already. The red sky and lots and lots of dust, rocks, and boulders. If we're still here at sunset, we'll also see Mars' two moons, Phobos and Deimos. In photographs of Mars, these moons look like two weird potato-shaped objects floating in the sky. Two moons? Phobos and Deimos are really small, especially compared to our moon. Our moon is over 2,000 miles wide, while Phobos is 18 miles long and Deimos is only 9 miles long. But I didn't know that they're potato-shaped. Why aren't they round like our moon? The Mars moons are so small that they don't even have enough gravity to pull in the material that makes them up evenly to make them round. That's why they look like potatoes. That would be pretty neat to see. Phobos and Deimos in the sky like giant floating potatoes. But is that all? I'm thinking we may want to head back home. I feel like we've already seen almost everything we're going to see on Mars. And I have to admit, it's pretty disappointing. Lauren, we may not have seen anything yet, but I think we should keep looking. I read in Ken Jennings' Junior Guide in Outer Space that life on Mars is not impossible. After all, we know there's water, and tests have shown that Martian soil has the nutrients needed for plants to grow there. In The Truth About Martians, Melissa Savage says that in 1947, the U.S. Army reported a flying saucer had crashed into a ranch near Roswell, New Mexico. Even though the Army later took back their statement and claimed the crashed object was an ordinary weather balloon, people have been arguing about what the Army actually found ever since. Was it a weather balloon or was it... something else? A uh, flying saucer? Are you saying that if we keep exploring Mars, we might find alien life here? I'm not not saying that. We may not ever know what the Army saw in 1947, but in June 2021, the U.S. Department of Defense released a report that it has been investigating unidentified flying objects, or UFOs, since at least 2007. The report says that our military has examined 144 documented UFOs. Although most of these were probably man-made physical objects, the report does not rule out the possibility that some of these UFOs might have been spaceships. 144 UFOs? That's right. And Mars is the closest planet to Earth. And, unless you've forgotten, we already met Lumi, who is a space alien, on our moon adventure. With the magic of the book bag and the power of our imaginations, who knows what we might see here on Mars. That's right. When we reached the moon, we discovered that there were lots more creatures like Lumi. Even though they didn't look like us, they turned out to be very nice. And they even helped us patch our book bag spaceship so that we could fly it back home to Earth. But that doesn't mean all space aliens are as nice as Lumi and his friends. I guess you're right about that, Lauren. Ricky Ricotta's mighty robot, the Voodoo Vultures from Venus, isn't a true story. But it does include a whole army of evil Voodoo Vultures from Venus who are trying to take over Earth. I sure hope we don't meet any aliens like the voodoo vultures. Well, they were from Venus. Sure, but maybe Mars has its own brand of scary aliens, like mischievous monkeys from Mars or something. Oh, just thinking about mischievous alien monkeys gives me the heebie-jeebies. 
Let's not get ahead of ourselves, everyone. We haven't seen any signs of life yet, let alone any mischievous monkeys. Just dust, rocks, and boulders. And whatever that is. Whatever what is, Bug? That. Look, over there, just past the big boulder. I think I see something sticking out. Let's go see what it is. Do you really think that's a good idea? Sure I do. Come on. Lauren, you're controlling the spacesuit. If I'm going to get any closer to whatever's behind that rock, I need you to walk over to it. Okay, okay, Bug. I'm going. Reader, Alara, follow me. What is it, Alara? Help me scrape the red dust off this rock. Why, this isn't a rock or a boulder. It's something else. I can see that, but it's hard to get a good look at it because every time we scrape off the dust, more dust starts to cover it again. Alara, it looks like it could be some kind of vehicle. Could it be one of the landers or rovers you've been talking about? Maybe. It's about the same size as the Spirit rovers that NASA sent to Mars in 2004. I don't have a tape measure, but it looks to me like it's about five feet high, seven feet wide, and five feet long. That's about the same size as a little electric smart car. The long metal arm that Reading Bug saw sticking out of it might be one of the antennae that allowed Spirit to communicate with Earth. But it can't be a lander or rover from Earth. Why not? Because no rovers or landers have ever landed anywhere close to Olympus Mons. It's way too high and windy up here for a spacecraft to land. The Spirit rover landed more than 2,200 miles from here. But didn't you just tell us that rovers can move around like a car or a jeep? Yes, but they can't travel very far. Spirit was designed to last only 90 souls, or Martian days, but it actually roved around Mars for six years. But in that entire six-year period, it traveled less than six miles. So the Spirit rover couldn't have driven itself up to Olympus Mons then? Correct. Somebody, or something, must have brought it up here. Maybe there really is something living here on Mars. After all, scientists say that other than Earth, it's the most likely planet in our solar system to support life. Imagine, we could be the first visitors from Earth to set foot on Mars, and the first to discover alien life here. I'm not sure I want to meet any unidentified space aliens today. Remember the voodoo vultures and the mischievous monkeys? If something drove this rover up here, maybe we should think about heading home before we run into whoever drove it. Judging by what's going on around us, I think the spaceship home has already sailed. The spaceship has already sailed? What does that mean? Haven't you noticed that it has been getting windier and windier? Mars has the worst dust storms in the solar system, much worse than the dust storm we encountered on our moon adventure. If we tried to open up the Reading Bug's book bag now, the storm would blow it away before we could hop in, and we might never find it. We're going to need to find shelter right away. But where can we go? There's nothing here but rocks, boulders, and a rover covered in red dust. I have an idea that just might work, Lauren. Remember I told you that Olympus Mons is a volcanic mountain? Volcanic mountains are created by lava flows that often create lava tubes and tunnels when they cool. 
Scientists have identified over a thousand cave entrances on Olympus Mons and other Martian mountains, and they believe that many of these entrances may lead to lava tubes that astronauts will be able to use for shelter when they land on Mars in the future. So if we can just find the entrance to a lava tube... Exactly. We might be able to escape this dangerous dust storm. I think I may have seen something when we were running over to uncover the rover. It was just behind us. 30, maybe 40 feet. The wind is blowing so much, I can't even see 10 feet ahead. Are you sure you saw the entrance to a cave reading bug? No, but I think I did. Quickly, turn all the way around and run back maybe 10 or 20 steps. Hold my hands. We don't want to get separated. Where's the cave reading bug? I can't see anything. I don't know. There, I think I see it. This way. It is a cave. It's not very big, but I think it's just large enough for us to crawl through, even in our bulky spacesuits. Hurry, follow me. We need to get out of the storm. I've got a flashlight, so we'll be able to see. Between this dust storm and that dark, creepy cave, I'm not sure what's scarier. I am. It's the storm, for sure. It hasn't even really started yet. Once it gets going full force, we won't even be able to stand up in the wind. Hurry! The cave is big enough to hold all of us. Crawl in, and we can stay here until the wind dies down. Oh, wow. That's much better. It's still a bit of a tight squeeze in here, but with Alara's flashlight on, the cave isn't too scary. We're going to need to head for home pretty soon. As I mentioned earlier, we need a lot of oxygen to survive, but the Martian atmosphere, that's the air here on Mars, contains almost no oxygen. That means that we can't breathe here without the oxygen supply in our spacesuits, and if we stay too long, we run the risk of running out of oxygen. How much longer do you think we have, Alara? Not more than an hour's worth of oxygen, Lauren, and I'd like to return home long before that, just to be safe. You remember what happened on the inner space adventure, don't you? Oh, yeah. We almost ran out of oxygen before we finished that adventure. That's right. And we definitely don't want that to happen here when we're more than 35 million miles away from home. I am curious, though, how that Land Rover found its way all the way up here on Olympus Mons. Maybe we can do just a little more exploring before we end our adventure today. But how, Laura? The wind outside is still raging. We can't do any more adventuring until this storm passes. And I don't think we're going to be able to do much exploring while we're stuck inside this cave. We had to crawl in here when the dust storm started, and from what I can see in the light beaming from Alara's flashlight, there's not much here. Just a small tubular cave that can barely fit all of us. You're right, Lauren. Visiting Mars, landing on its surface, and seeing the spectacular pink sky was pretty exciting, and even more amazing than reading about this planet. But there's not much more we can do here now. And I don't know about anyone else, but I'm beginning to get hungry. All that leaping around in the light gravity of Mars really worked up my appetite. I do have some snacks, but we can't eat until we are back in the book bag and we can take off our helmets. Remember, if we take off our helmets now, we won't have enough oxygen to breathe. The air on Mars is toxic for us. Lauren, reader, reading bug, have you ever tasted freeze-dried ice cream? Oh, I have. I bought some freeze-dried astronaut ice cream when I visited the Space Museum, and it's definitely worth waiting for. Did you bring some on this adventure, Alara? 
I sure did. Yum! My absolute favorite flavor was the freeze-dried Mars bar ice cream sandwiches. Oh, it's making my mouth water just to think about them. Astronaut ice cream is super yummy. I can't wait to share some with you. Astronauts freeze-dry their food, which means they take all the water out of it so that it can last much longer. There's nowhere for astronauts to pull over and buy food in outer space. No grocery stores or restaurants. So it's important that the food they bring with them can last the entire trip. Talking about delicious astronaut ice cream is making me even hungrier, Alara. Well, even though we can't eat until we take our helmets off, we can drink water. Our spacesuits are designed so that we can drink through a straw connected to an in-suit drink bag that holds 32 ounces of water. Go ahead, take a big sip. Oh, that was delicious. Cold and refreshing. I wish I had an in-suit drink bag in all my clothes. <laughs> what? What was that? The flashlight. It's flickering. Alara, is it low on batteries? I definitely don't want to be stuck in this cave without any light. It shouldn't be low on power. Astronaut flashlights are powered by lithium-ion batteries, and they're supposed to last three times longer than standard batteries. I tested my flashlight before we left Earth, and it was fully charged. But you're right, it is flickering. I wonder what's wrong. Maybe we should think about hopping into the book bag and heading home. That would be the responsible thing to do, but... But? But we're the first beings on Earth to set foot on Mars. It would be a shame not to explore just a little bit more. We've been through this, Alara. We can't explore because there's a powerful storm outside. But look, the cave continues back behind us. You're right. Look, reader. I didn't notice it before, but the narrow cave that we're in does continue on deeper back into the mountain. Which makes sense. If it's a lava tube created when ancient lava flowed from Olympus Mons, then it could continue for hundreds of feet. Should we go check it out? I don't know. It's pretty dark. Alara, can you shine the flashlight back there so we can try and take a look? Sure. Lauren, reader, Alara, do you see what I see? Are those tire tracks? Tire tracks? You mean like from a car? Or from a rover, like the one we found outside. These tracks look like they are just the right size to have come from that rover. But that means... That someone or something drove the rover in and out of this cave. The scientific evidence seems to suggest that, yes, that's exactly what happened. Come on, we've got to see where those tracks lead. Follow me. Alara! Alara, wait! You have the only flashlight! Reader, we need to keep up with Alara, or we won't be able to see anything in here. Come on! Amazing! The lava tube is almost perfectly cylindrical, and it goes on for... I don't know how far. The beam from my flashlight doesn't even reach to the end of the tunnel. It's pretty cool. We're walking through a long underground tunnel on the planet Mars. I thought we'd be exploring the planet's surface today. And look, the tire tracks continue along the ground of the tunnel. The rover must have driven through here at some point. The walls and ceiling of the tunnel are smooth and solid, and the... Uh, Alara, can you lift your flashlight just a little bit? I think I saw something else. What? I'm not sure. 
I know it sounds silly, but it looked like it could have been two large, yellow, googly eyes staring at me from behind that boulder up there. Googly eyes? No, I'm sure that's not it. Where did you say you saw them? Behind the boulder, up ahead. I read that there are some kinds of rocks that glow in the dark, Lauren. Maybe what you saw was nothing more than two fluorescent rocks embedded in the cave wall. Of course, that must be it. Scientists have been able to grow cyanobacteria, which glows in the dark, in an artificial Mars-like climate. We're probably looking at two clumps of cyanobacteria growing on the cave walls. Lauren, I don't see anything. It must have been my imagination. All this talk of Martians has me a little spooked. Alara, your flashlight. It's flickering again. Please tell me it's not going to go out. We're hundreds of feet into this underground tunnel. I'm sure it's fine. Come on, let's keep walking. Okay. Hey, look. There are those googly eyes again. Lauren, I told you, it's probably some kind of glowing bacteria. Greetings, neighbor planet. But, but, but bacteria can't talk, and I'm pretty sure I just heard a voice. Salutations. You are Jacob, or Olivia, or Virage? You're right, Lauren. There is someone in here with us. But where? Or Akira? Or Shaquille? Or Deoni? What are they talking about? Are those names of people? Names, yes, Lauren, of course. When NASA sent the Perseverance rover to Mars in 2021, they included the names of nearly 11 million Earthlings as part of a Send Your Name to Mars campaign. Or Chang, or Sung, or Jose. Oh, phew, so this is just a recording then. Well, no. Those 11 million names weren't sent as a recording. They were written in very tiny writing, less than the width of a human hair, with an electron beam. But that means... That someone is in here with us and is saying all of those names? Or Guadalupe? Or Vladimir? Or Shira? Do you think they're going to say all 11 million names? Could it be that we've actually discovered life here on Mars? That what we're hearing is the voice of a Martian? I... I can't believe it! Let's fly out of this world Right through the planets and the stars Let's fly out of this world Rocket through galaxies Find life on Mars It doesn't matter which direction we go There's so much to see And so much we don't know Millions of miles away from our homes It's so exciting to explore The unknown this world look all around what can you see out of this world asteroids and comets 
What else could there be? Millions of miles away from our homes It's so exciting to explore the unknown Out of this world Or are you Bruno? Or Leilani? Or Malika? Reading bug. Reader. Alara. Do you really think that's a Martian we're hearing? A Martian? Where? Is it dangerous? Alara! Your flashlight! It's gone out! It's pitch dark in here, I can't see a thing! How did this Martian arrive here on planet Strix? How did you arrive on Strix? Quick, speak now! Strix? I'm confused! Varen, humans on Earth named this planet Mars. But if there are, in fact, creatures living here, they may have named it something else. Something like Strix? Strix, yes, Strix. Speak, aliens. Who are you? Where are you? Please come out so we can meet you. My name is Lauren, and these are the Reading Bug, Alara, and our reader friend. We're here from planet Earth on an adventure. Earth? Earthlings? Earthlings are explorers by nature and will come visit Mars in person as soon as we can properly figure out how. Until then, all seven billion of us wave hello from here on our blue planet shining brightly in your sky. You are from this blue planet? Yes, yes, that's right. We're adventurers. But how did you know? We have received your messages. Our messages? Of course. In addition to the 11 million names that the United States sent to Mars with Perseverance, Earthlings have been sending all kinds of messages to Mars for decades now. For example, in 2014, to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the first mission to Mars on NASA's Mariner 4, a private company beamed messages from 90,000 humans to Mars by radio transmission. Those must be the messages they're talking about. Yes, messages from... Mustafa, and Francois, and Mohammed, and Hannah. Yes, yes, a-, a lot of people have been sending you messages. We understand. I'm sorry, what should I call you? My name is Avalon. My planet is named Strix. Strix? I like that name. Back home on Earth, we call your planet Mars. It's named after the Roman god of war, Mars because it has a reddish glow like the color of blood when we look at it in the night sky. War, no! We are a peaceful society, but we will protect Strix with the might of 1,000 fleeks if you are here to do war with us, aliens. Aliens? But we're not the aliens. Avalon is. Not here, Lauren. Remember, this is his planet, and we're the ones visiting it. Or he may think invading it. Oh, No, Avalon, we're not here to cause any harm. We don't think of ourselves as space aliens, but we are space travelers and adventurers. You mean you have explored other planets besides Strix? We have visited our moon before. Most planets are too far away for us to travel to from Earth, but we came here in the Reading Bug's magic book bag. Yeah, it can take us to any place and any time that I have been reading about. All I have to do is put the books that I have been reading in my book bag. And when we jump inside, it takes us to whatever place or time is described in the books. Today, my book bag is filled with books about Mars, so that's how we got here. 
Magic? I don't believe in such things, but I do love books. You have books on Mars? Oh, yes. My favorite books right now are the science fiction books about aliens from outer space. Like you. I told you, we're not really aliens. Well, would you look at that? We already have so much in common. We love books. We love reading and learning about other planets. Do you think, maybe, you might consider coming out to meet us, Avalon? We still haven't seen you. But maybe if we head towards the cave entrance, there'll be enough light for us to see one another. No, no. I... I look different than you do. I'm afraid you will be frightened and will cease talking with me. Oh, Avalon, I'm sure whatever you look like, we won't be frightened. What do you think is so different about you? The top of me is not round and bulbous like you. Round and bulbous? Oh! <laughs> our helmets! Avalon, these are not our heads. Our heads are inside. We need the helmets so we can breathe while we're visiting Mars. The air on Earth is different from the air here. I am also not puffy. Those are our spacesuits, Avalon. We are much less puffy inside. I am also less puffy inside. Lauren, Alara, Reader, I'm not sure Avalon understands. And we were finding so much in common before. Our love of books and outer space. But sometimes our differences keep us from understanding each other, don't they, Reader? I have an idea, Lauren. Reader, follow my lead. The reading bug's tiny. Lauren's tall as a peak. We've plenty of differences that make us unique. I live in a garden. And I live in a home. And although we are different, we're not all alone. We are all different from one another. Those differences give us diversity. I am thankful we are different. So I learn from you, and you learn from me. You're as smart as they come, and you sing like a star. What we have in common is how different we are. Our different perspectives are unique, we are wrong. But we're stronger together than we are alone. We are all different from one another. Those differences give us diversity. I am thankful we are different. So I learn from you, and you learn from me. Thank you for your sound making. It was pleasant. It makes me feel happy. I'm glad, Avalon. Now won't you come out and meet us? Yes, yes, I think I will. Let me turn your light back on. Turn our light back on? What do you mean? I first turned it off because I was frightened of you and did not want you to find our city. But now I will turn it back on. There! Greetings, alien earthlings. It is I, Avalon. Hmm. You look even stranger from up close. Wow! Did Avalon just turn the flashlight on without touching it? Of course. All Strixians are psychokinetic. Aren't you? Psychokinetic? Lauren, psychokinesis is the ability to use your mind to change or move objects. Incredible! Reader, look. Avalon is a purplish color from top to bottom. 
At the top, he has a large round head with big yellow eyes. But he has no mouth and no ears. At least none that I can see. The rest of Avalon is very skinny. And he doesn't have any legs. He's just sort of hovering above the rocky ground. He really is very different from any of us, isn't he? Well, hello, Avalon. It's so nice to finally meet you. I'd, uh, shake your hand, but you don't appear to have one. We've already learned so much about Mars, I mean Strix, on our adventure today, Avalon. But meeting you is the highlight for sure. You are not afraid? Well, maybe a little bit, if I'm being honest, Avalon. But the more I learn about you, the less scared I become. Lauren, reader, Alara. I just noticed Avalon has no mouth, but I can hear him speaking as clear as day. Can't you? Mouth? What is mouth? Is that the hole in the middle of your face from which sound is produced? No, I do not have mouth. I use telepathy to communicate. Strixians are all telepathic. We speak to one another using our minds. Don't you? Oh, no. Sometimes we speak our minds, but that's different. We speak to one another using our mouths. See? Oh, I do see. That must be why we're able to understand, Avalon. I wouldn't expect an alien life form to know or speak English like us. But if he's communicating directly with our brains, language doesn't really matter, does it? You don't have any ears either, Avalon. Does that mean that you're... Reading your minds? Yes. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Can you teach me about your Earth? Well, our planet, which we call Earth, is in the same solar system as yours. That means we share the same sun. Earth is the third planet from the sun. Do you know how many planets there are in our solar system rotating around our shared sun? Oh yes, sure. I learned that in science class. Eight planets revolve around our sun. Strix is the fourth planet from the sun. If Earth is the third planet and Strix is the fourth, that means that we are next-door neighbors. I believe that neighbors should be friends, don't you? They should be, but I'm not sure neighbors are always good friends. We've been seeing strange objects in our skies for years. That was bad enough. But then some of these strange objects started landing on the surface of our planet. Some of them even move around, taking photographs and scooping up dirt and rocks. But I, Avalon, have been brave. I took the object with the wheels and brought it here to my cave. Those objects were spacecraft that Earth scientists sent to Mars to learn more about your planet. And the object you've discovered is one that we call a rover. The people of Earth have been investigating your planet for many years, but until today, no one had any idea that anyone lived here. I'm sorry you were frightened. How brave you were to come out and speak with us. I was not so brave. That's why I sent the windstorm your way. Hold on. You sent the windstorm? You can do that? Yes. When I sensed your presence, I sent the storm. Psychokinesis, remember? But why? I was afraid of you because you look different from me. And because other Strixians told me that space aliens could be scary and dangerous. But... Now you know not to judge a book by its cover, right, Avalon? You have to look deeper to understand what's inside. Correct. Avalon, it has been wonderful getting to know you, but the oxygen in our packs won't last much longer, so I'm afraid we'll need to start heading back home to Earth. 
You breathe oxygen? How strange. We breathe carbon dioxide, and we assume that any other space beings would also breathe carbon dioxide. I wish I would have been able to show you this city in which we live, and to share some of my favorite books with you. Maybe you'll return to Strix again? You live in a city? But Earth has been studying Mars for years and years. We've taken thousands of pictures of the surface of your planet. How could we have missed a city? Our city is built deep under the surface of Strix. The mountains on our planet were formed when volcanoes deposited a blanket of ash on the surface. When the ash cooled, it formed into soft rocks. Some of the tunnels and caves in our city were created naturally, and ancient Strixians were able to easily dig more tunnels and caves because the rocks were so soft. It is within these tunnels that our city was built. An entire city of Strixians? Oh, yes. Our city includes all kinds of spaces. There are chambers for sleeping, pits for cooking, stores, well-lit areas where we grow our food, and chambers where our families live and work and play. I didn't know that there could be entire cities underground. Underground cities are not unique to Mars. My cousins, the ants and termites, have been building underground cities on Earth for a long, long time. Human beings have also built underground cities on Earth. Beijing, China built a large tunnel network called the Underground City recently in the year 2000. There were also several underground cities in ancient Persia. Lots of other ancient cities have underground living spaces, and modern cities also have roads and subways. But the most famous underground cities were built several thousand years ago in Cappadocia, Turkey. Just like Avalon City, the underground cities in Cappadocia were carved out of soft volcanic rock. That's something else we Strixians have in common with you, Earthlings. That's right, Avalon. Despite our obvious differences, there's a lot that unites us. I can't wait to get back home to tell our family and neighbors all about Strix and our new friend, Avalon. But now, I'm afraid we'll need to begin our journey back to Earth. Lord, the bag's in a pocket in your spacesuit. Since I'm in here, you're going to need to open it up for us. No problem, Bug. Here we go. Look, the bag is getting bigger and bigger, and the books the reading bug brought with her are swirling around inside. Books! I love books! Hey, Avalon, that's my book bag. Give it back. Reader, Avalon just used his psychokinesis to take the reading bug's book bag. Avalon, we need that book bag to get back to Earth. Please, give it back. Amazing. These books are incredible. Hidden Figures, the story of four black women and the space race. Max goes to Mars. National Geographic Kids, A Day on Mars. Maustronaut Goes to Mars by Astronaut Mark Kelly. And The Lion of Mars by Jennifer Holm. Wow, there are spectacular pictures of a bright yellow sun and images of planets and stars and more. <laughs> and there are pictures of funny-looking creatures that look just like you, dressed in white and silver and orange suits with round bulbous tops. I can't wait to read more! How can we be angry with someone like Avalon who loves to read as much as we do? After all, books are meant to be shared. But we still need that book bag to get home. 
Babylon. We don't need all of those books to get back home, but we do need the book bag and some of the books. Why don't I leave the picture books with you so that you can share them with the other Strixians? Just like another famous author, Dr. Seuss, said and I can read with my eyes shut, the more that you read, the more things you will know. The more that you learn, the more places you'll go. With those picture books, you'll be able to visit Earth whenever you want to, using your powerful imagination. And we'll leave you some crayons and paper, too, so you can draw your own pictures of us and retell the story of this amazing adventure to your friends and family. Thank you so much. I love these books. And whenever I look at them, I'll think of you. Here's your book bag. Maybe someday you'll use it to return to Strix and visit me again. Of course we will, Adelon. But now our oxygen is getting dangerously low, so we really must leave. Okay, let's try this again. Magic book bag, do your thing. Oh, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I can see all kinds of amazing pictures floating around. What is that? I see Earthlings moving about with large structures all around them and the sun shining brightly in the blue sky above. You're looking at the pictures of our final destination, Avalon, planet Earth. Those are what our cities look like. And those structures are the buildings where we live, sleep, and play and work. We'd love to show you more, but now it's time for us to jump in and start our 35 million mile trip back to our homes and families. That's right. Now, on the count of three, let's take three giant Mars gravity jumps and hop into our book bag together. Ready? One, two, three, jump! We've had a big adventure within our book bag, and I think we saved the day. We'll see you next time. Goodbye, book bag. Now it's time to fly away. Reading Buzz, Alara, Reader, that was a spectacular adventure. As we zip away over the hazy red landscape of planet Mars, I still can't believe everything we saw and learned today. I wish we'd been able to stay for the blue sunset, but we'll have to save that for another adventure on another day. I'm going to draw a picture of it anyway. I'd love to imagine what it might look like. Great idea, Bug. Reader, what pictures will you draw of our adventure today? I think I'll draw a few pictures of our new friend, Avalon. I'm not sure my friends and family will believe that we actually met a Martian. And I think I'll draw a new patch for my spacesuit, featuring all of us landing on the surface of the red planet. Let's be sure to illustrate everything we saw and experienced today to help our friends and families remember that although we may have differences, we can all find ways to get along. Yes, yes, yes. And reader, if you enjoyed today's adventure and want to learn more about Mars, space travel, and our solar system, you can read any of the books in my book bag. A complete list can be found at thereadingbug.com slash adventures. Hey, we're back! You're right, Bug. We're back home, safe and sound. A 35 million mile trip back to Earth in the blink of an eye. I love this magic book bag. Thanks for inviting me on another one of your adventures. Of course, Alara. We couldn't have done it without you and all your astronaut knowledge. And we couldn't have done it without you either, reader. When you're a reader, you're a leader. You're ready to learn about everything as you grow. You'll show 
this world that you can be anything You could write a book or fly a plane Build a house with a giant crane Whatever you do, one thing will be true There's nothing you can't do You can see it through Just by being you Cause you're a reader, you're a leader You're ready to learn about everything As you grow, you'll show This world that you can be anything You could sing your way into a Broadway show Don't let anyone tell you no Whatever you do, one thing will be true There's nothing you can't do You can make your dreams come true Just by being you Thank you for joining our adventure today, reader. The reading bug, Alara, and I have to go now, but we can't wait to see you on our next reading bug adventure. Bye-bye. See you next time. It's a reading bug adventure. There's lots of fun in store. Just inside our book bag, there's new places to explore. Grab your crayons and paper and your imaginations, too. The reading bug and I can't wait to share our trip. Thank you for listening to Reading Bug Adventures. I'm Lauren Savage, and today's adventure was an original story written by Diane and Brandon Savage. This episode was performed by me, Chloe Savage, Brandon Savage, and Diane Savage. Music is by me and Ross Gruet. Sound mixing and mastery is by Resonate Recordings. The Reading Bug is our family-owned independent bookstore in California, and we're passionate about educating, entertaining, and engaging children of all ages. Learn more about us at thereadingbug.com and our personalized subscription service at readingbugbox.com. Thank you. Calling all trivia nerds, Brittany here, and I host the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast with my best friend, Meredith. Is your next car ride looking like a snooze fest? We've got the cure. Three rounds of awesome trivia every week. Harry Potter, Disney, science, sports, you name it. No more silent car troubles. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Connect, laugh, and learn with your kids, big and small. (laughs) New episodes every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast.